Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus, it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow mule to an elderflower martini to a white Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up some Tito's Handmade Vodka. Plus, you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. Good day to you. It is Dana Marie, and thank you a million times for listening in to today's episode of Cocktails and Conversation. I hope that you will very much enjoy it. I wanted to share the recipe with you in case you want to make this at home. Again, super easy. Um, I feel like I'm feeling a trend that I like to make cocktails that are like five steps and then like five ingredients or less because I usually want to make up, make up something obviously very delicious to drink, but easy. And I can like grab a handful of things at the store. I'm not sourcing things from all over town. So <laughs> I hope you enjoy super easy recipes. But today's uh, cocktail is called Bootsy Collins, which is number one, an amazing name. And number two, a really delicious drink. So it's a play on the on a Tom Collins, which it starts off with an ounce and a half or two. It's like equal, equal parts, but whichever however boozy you're feeling yourself. Um, but I made it with an ounce and a half of Lillet Rouge, which is a French, um, a French liqueur. And it's, uh, kind of, it just basically is, tastes like wine, uh, a red wine. So if you want, um, alcohol, like spirits and wine together, this is a perfect drink for you. So it's got an ounce and a half of, of Lillet and then an ounce and a half and a half of Tito's. And so you throw those two into a shaker and then you would, uh, take a lemon and cut that up. And then per, per portion, it's like a half of a lemon, or I would say maybe like an ounce and a half or so, um, a fresh squeezed lemon juice. And then, uh, an out, like a half an ounce per portion for, um, simple syrup. So you would just, toss that all in a shaker with ice and then shake that up real good. I put it in a coupe, so I would serve it up, but you can also serve it in a rocks glass, I think over a bunch of ice, um, and then garnish it with a lemon, um, slice or wedge. But it was, uh, it's been a hit at dinner parties and a hit just to make just whenever as like a little treat, just like one small, very boozy cocktail. So I hope you enjoy that. And I know for sure 100% that you will enjoy my guest today, which is Ansley Scrimsher, who um, started Dora May Jewelry and has been around for 10, almost 11 years. 
And she is just such a spark of joy. So when I think of people (laughs) that I would like to be around or that I would fill my life with, um, she is one of those people. She's got incredible spirit, incredible laugh, and she is a seven, which we'll get into. And so that is always, you know, the fun people to be around. And she brings a lot of herself to the table. She brings things that are unexpected with her jewelry. If you look them up, um, I've got a couple pieces of hers and they are just things that you just were like, how in the world did you think of that? But she has got an incredible vision and she has an imagination and she loves color and life and fun. And she's just a really, um, a gem to be around. So, um, she, shares a lot about life and I am just amazed that she would, you know, share her story on this podcast. So I loved sitting down and chatting with her and I know that you're going to love her story. So let me know what you think. All right. Enjoy. Hello, Ansley. Welcome to the Cocktails Hello. and Conversation Dana. podcast. Oh my gosh, I have to take Salute. this right away. <laughs> Cheers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me in my home. Um, for a drink this day. Um, so actually today, I forgot even to tell you the name of it, but it's got a great name as okay. well. It's called a Bootsy Collins. Oh. Mm-hmm. Bootsy. A Bootsy. I think it's a like a play on a Tom Collins. Oh. Yep. It's, she sounds fun. She does sound like fun. Her okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to invite her in to this conversation this morning. Oh, hey, Bootsy. Yeah, hey, Bootsy. <laughs> Bootsy is comprised of... Lalay, Rouge, so French, so French, French. Um, some Tito's, Mm -hmm. vodka, and then it's got the fresh squeezed lemon juice in there, a tiny bit of homemade simple syrup, and you just shake all that, pour it into a fancy glass. Very, very vintage fancy. Vintage fancy. Mm, My favorite. You know me. Mm -hmm. So that is how you make and drink this delicious concoction i know it's fresh but it's complex like i i can't quite figure out what i'm tasting yes it's actually got that wine flavor in yeah, it it does right oh my goodness That's like a red wine it so much so it's the best of your wine and your cocktail world together because my you know my favorite cocktail is a um new york sour a new york sour yes which okay. is a whiskey sour with a red wine floater Okay. So it's that mix of of wine and liquor, apparently. <laughs> I really enjoy. That's good. All the things. All the things. Mixing up all, all the booze. Uh, whiskey sour is actually my favorite cocktail. Really? Of all of them. Mm-hmm. The bourbon uh-huh. and the, like I said, <clears throat> I love the fruit fruit flavor. Yeah. So the, the sour the of delicious. the lemon-lime. Have you had any of Have you put it So I don't love wine. Okay. Yeah. So I like this because it's I think that it's, it's mixed together and it's not like straight wine. Right. But I wish that I loved wine more than I do. Mm-hmm. The only things that I really like is like a, like a port or a dessert mm-hmm. wine, oh. which and I know. You like your sugar. Like your I, do, I, I do. I do. I am not apologetic about it. I, I love drinks that are. That are sweet and delicious. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, an indulgent or a dessert for me. I so, so speaking of cocktails, one yes. of my favorite um, topics. I know it's one of yours as well. Mm-hmm. But around town, 
Um, first, what is your go-to drink? Like anytime you're like, without fail, I would love this drink. Mm-hmm. And then like two to three places in Orlando around Central Florida that you I would to love to grab a drink. Well, I, um, my go-to, see that the problem with the New York Sour is just this like slightly involved, but it's worth it to me because it's beautiful. So mm-hmm. I... If I can take the time to go ahead and make it and just look at it, which I know sounds really silly to most people, but I'm very visual. So I can taste what I see. And Mm -hmm. so the New York Sour almost has an ombre like feel to it with the wine on top and then it kind of sinks in kind of and then like has these beautiful little drips. I just obsessed with it. Um, But so I'll do that. But really, I just love bourbon. So I can Fair just enough. drink straight. And that's really only been this year, but it's so simple and it's so smooth and it makes me feel warm and happy. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So, and I love a whiskey sour. I, um, I love an old, actually, I truly love an old fashioned okay. with a Luxardo cherry. Sure. And with a ex- little extra of the cherry um, juice in it. Mm-hmm. It tastes so delicious. So an old fashioned has been a go-to for a long time. I mean, I do love Tito's too, and I think a um, a Fever Tree Mule mm. is probably one of my favorites because mm-hmm. it has that fresh, spicy. It's a little bit fresher, a little bit spicier than most. So I always have Fever Tree, especially in my, for summertime. Yeah, it's like so light it's and so refreshing. Light. And you literally pour a bottle of Fever Tree and some lime, and some, it's just like ready in two seconds. Right. And then I'm gonna sound like I drink all the time, but I also love a Jack Rudy gin and tonic. Which ah. they have on tap at Ravenous Pig, which is where I discovered okay. it. And when I first had it on tap, I knew the tonic was different. And sure enough, it's this little, yep. you know, small batch Jack Rudy that yep. I now get at Tim's um, wine shop. But I love, I love a good Jack Rudy gin and tonic. Okay. Tanqueray usually, or Hendrix. Really, if I could have Hendrix, that's probably my fave. So you there's like are... the 18 drinks. <laughs> Does that speak to my personality? Now where that you, we're going to talk. About? Where would you grab a drink? Ooh, um, okay, so just... this is unexpected. Okay, but the way I found out truly about the New York sours, I went to Lazy Moon Pizza with my children. Okay, and on their menu at the top is called the El Diablo, and it it ends up being a New York sour, but it is beautiful and it is delicious. Lazy Moon has cocktails. Lazy Moon has cocktails. Everybody go out, order uh, El Diablo. You will thank me. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I am learning all the new things. Yes. Great. Also for parents, like for parents, you can go and have a delicious cocktail. They do a really good job. The recipes are very well made. Mm -hmm. So um, you can get beer too, but their cocktails are so good. I've actually tried every one on the menu and there's not one I really don't love. So um, Lazy Moon, but I think. Guest house, yeah, sunroom. I mm. I go there a lot after yoga and because um, it's just right there on Mills. Yep. So um, we'll often go and get an old-fashioned or mm. it's usually actually what I get there. So I, the I love their old-fashioned. They make it perfectly. They put yes. the right cherry in it. They have the right balance. Their bartenders do a really good job. So, yeah. Okay. Good choices. Yeah. I stand behind those. <laughs> and you. I'll have to try Lazy Moon because I never... Oh, it's so good. <sighs> yeah. It's a surprise. I think it's one of my favorite things when someone surprises me. And mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that from a pizza joint. Same. Mm-hmm. So 
Wow. You learn something new every day. (laughs) So I was trying to think about how we met initially and I can't, (laughs) I I feel like I've known you for several years. Yeah. More than several, right? Right. right? But I can't remember like initially how we met. I mean, sure. It was through like a mutual friend. Right. But was it before dinner? It was before dinner party or no? It's probably at the beginning of dinner party. Okay. So dinner party is now five years and I know you were at, was it through Helen? Um, Martinez, Martinez Paz or recommended? I don't know. Right. Brandy. I don't Brandy. Know. <laughs> I can't remember exactly the, the direct connection, but I know that it was an immediate connection. Yes. Yes. I remember you coming into my shop when the, we were in our other location mm-hmm. and you were talking about like vintage clothes and you were, you know, you'd had that business. Mm-hmm. So that would have been at least five years ago. Yeah. Right. Huh. I don't know. It's crazy. The world's Orlando colliding, which is something that I do love. One of my favorite things. And about very this interesting. Very small city. Very small city. <laughs> yeah. Once you get connected, there's so many wonderful people to know in this city. Yeah. Which is one reason I started dinner parties was like, these people should know each other. There's so many beautiful, generous, creative people in this city doing beautiful things. Okay. And so let's gather them together, drink and eat <laughs> and all the things. I know. Um, one of the reasons I started Dinner Party and this podcast was I love story. I love mm-hmm. people's stories, and we all obviously have unique and different ones. And um, part of a major part of our story really is how, as we were, we don't get to choose a lot about our story, like where we're placed on the planet, the family of origin that we're born into, our DNA. Mm-hmm. We are here for whatever reason. And we have to figure out how to navigate life, right? And so, so much of that is shaped shaped by how we were brought up in life and experiences and the good, the bad, the hard. Um, So I'm fascinated to kind of like hear about what it was like growing up in your family. Like, where were you in the birth order? Yeah. What were your parents like? Where did you, where did you grow up? That, all of that. Um, yeah, I think actually where I was in the birth order is a great place to start because I was a surprise. Mm. <laughs> and I think maybe there's some kind of subconscious, like, I don't know, just part of who I am that I was, um, I'm seven and nine years younger than my sisters. Okay. And, you know, my mom was not expecting to be pregnant with me. And I think um, it was really hard for her at first, but then, you know, we quickly changed her mind about Mm. that, (laughs) but she, um, yeah, I think I, so basically like my sisters were so much older that then I think they were gone by the time I was in fourth and fifth grade. So I ended up being more of an only child ish. Um, but I just to go back a few steps, I did grow up in Orlando in college park. Okay. I, my parents, went to Edgewater High School. My dad went to Edgewater High School. Really? He grew up off of Lake Adair. No way. Mm-hmm. So that's In where... The 50s. Yes. My dad grew up on Princeton, went to Princeton Elementary School, okay. went to Lee Middle School. I wonder how they old, might your, know how old your dad? Can you say that? Five, yeah. Okay. So my dad would be 73? Yeah, so I bet they, I bet they so somewhat know each that other. That is... Crazy. Bonkers. <laughs> but what's crazy is my parents live in the same house they, that <gasps> when they got married. Okay. Yeah. And Whoa. so they, and they met, they met in middle school. My mom went to Memorial. My dad went to Lee. They met at a dance 
and then went to Edgewater High School together, then went to Florida together. And so literally if you if if anything describes my childhood, that's just lays the foundation for it because it was a very secure, um, traditional, we've been in the same place and we're going to stay in the place, same place. And fast forward 20 years, I now live on the same, or moved back to College Park after college, now move, live on the same street as my parent, three doors down. My sister lives across the street from me and my other sister lives behind my parents through a gate out their back pool. What is, what is happening right now? (laughs) Is this like set for world? Is, is everybody stopping listening because right. they're, like, they're like convinced we're insane? Um, we what actually. What world um, do you live in? Our, I know our family by is not perfect by any means, but we do like each other, and our children really like each That's other. That's a and blessing so, and a little claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm amazed. And truth, truth, right. <laughs> Okay. Um, we've, you know, we've established a lot of boundaries that actually make it work. Um, and that would be essential and have very, very actually independent lives. Um, but do love each other. And there's a lot of beautiful things about family being close, especially when you're raising kids. So, um, I have really, um, really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what was it like? I, so when I say traditional, I think what I mean is I, my mom stayed at home. She's a stay at home mom okay. and was the very, she was the nurturing, um, made homemade dinner each night. And yeah. my dad, um, was very ambitious and successful and, um, charismatic. And then my mom was just like his support mm-hmm. system. And that was a, beautiful, beautiful way to yeah. um, grow up and very, like you said, secure and safe. And there's so many beautiful things about that. Um, um, it was also very religious. So mm. I, um, grew up going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. So every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Whoa. So yeah, like Whoa. extra. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I also um, departed from the rest of my family who went to Edgewater and went to a private Christian school that was ah. attached to our church. And so then I was not only there on Sunday and Wednesday twice, but- I was there Monday through Friday. And I probably had a game on Saturday. So I lived in, to say it was a bubble is a extreme understatement. <laughs> I don't know how much more of a bubble you could wrap yourself in at this point. It is, um, this is it like, is, it's quite, this is quite like Macy's day parade size bubble. bubbles. That's yes, pretty insular. Yes, it is. It was, um, it was beautiful in so many ways. Again, yeah. like they say for kids, it's really great to have safety and security is such a huge part sure. of development. Yeah. But then eventually you grow up and you know, you got to break out, right. got to break out of the bubble a little bit. <laughs> what did that look like for you? Oh goodness. Well, <laughs> I feel like maybe happened a little bit later because then are you just ready? Are you ready? Definitely ready. <laughs> Um, I met my husband mm-hmm. when I was in the eighth grade also. Wow. You're starting, you're just, mm-hmm. I'm okay. just, we just kind of continued 
I continued the tradition. <laughs> my family met my husband when I was in the eighth grade. Um, we dated on and off through high school, on and off through college, but then right after college when I was 21. Wow. So I went child to the University bride. of Florida. So, oh, child bride. I was a baby, 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 baby bride. Baby. <laughs> Good Lord, 21, you could have like... Oh, yeah. 21. Good thing you could drink at your wedding. Or in <laughs> but life I couldn't history. because our Baptist minister didn't want it to happen. <laughs> Just kidding. Just Stop. kidding. I mean, that's true, but right. um, we did anyway. You did anyway. We did anyway. Okay. <laughs> we weren't that, you know, right. we weren't that crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, the school I went to did not mm. drinking, did not dancing. You know, it's yeah. like very, very Baptist and all of that has changed um, since then, but, um, right. yeah, they very conservative situation, Ooh. but the crazy part about it was her cocktail. I have never, yes, yeah, <laughs> cocktail with eyes closed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but I have been dancing and proverbially drinking <laughs> since I was a little girl and high on life since as I was you, a very little girl. As you so, should. Yes. So, um, and I'm a, I would say there's a free spirit in me that, um, you know, I think I learned to make the system I grew up in, especially like the school and all of that, like work for me because I didn't want to blow things up. Mm. But inside was always a free spirit that I, you know, I think my parents recognized, my, you know, friends recognized. Right. I wasn't necessarily, you know, inside fitting all of the molds, but outside, I kind of did a pretty good job adapting just mm. to make it work for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you feel like that was expected from your parents? Um, yes, to an extent, but mm-hmm. more from like the very strong environment at, the, at our Christian school. So it was um, enforced. It, it was just enforced by many angles. angles. Oh, so yeah. I wouldn't even say one thing. It was just that there was lots of things that like that that were coming in um, on me. So... My way of um, breaking out of that, I feel like, is just was going around the horn of all the options in, like, the religious realm because I was pretty convinced and could Mm -hmm. see from an early age, like, this is only one perspective. And so what I need to look at the other perspectives just to have a well-rounded look. So you do, like, the evangelical and then you go to the I think it's been like sacramental and then you try the spiritual like the spirit like I Pentecostal like all of that I kind of was like oh tried all the flavors because mm-hmm. turns out that's also my personality to try all the flavors <laughs> <laughs> which I know we'll get to I can't wait but um so yeah I think I tried all the flavors of of religion in some way or another but um and I've landed, but we could talk about that later. I haven't landed, actually. <laughs> Maybe that's what we talk about later. Still in process. Yeah. Oh, very, very, very much in process. Right. Sure. So much more to be discovered. Mm. And I'm about to have a big birthday and realize, um, yeah, I'm just beginning to start to learn, mm. which to me is exciting. Yeah. What was um, Ansley like in middle school and high school? Oh, um... Well, I, Ansley, felt responsible for 
everyone to be included, for mm-hmm. everyone to have a really fun time, for everyone to feel really good about themselves, to be the encourager, the like, you know, I, I don't know exactly where that came from, but it was at a very, very early age. So, um, there, I, it was really hard for me to even have a sleepover in middle school if I didn't invite like the whole class because someone would get their feelings hurt and we'd all end up in the guidance counselor's office the next day and someone's crying and why didn't she invite me to her house? And so I grew up with a lot of social, especially from girls, uh-huh. pressure, pressure to include and make sure everyone just felt like they were amazing. Okay. And that's a lot. That's too much for it's too much to carry. It's too much for a sixth grader. <laughs> and it it, it did kind of continue on. I actually really threw myself into sports, which was such a great release. Mm. And I also found on in sports that that same like girl environment was not as much there. Most of the girls were really competitive and like just getting after it and really intense. And mm-hmm. I found a great outlet in that kind of intense physical yeah. activity. And I, that's continued. What has been my, your sport of choice? Oh, I actually played basketball, which is okay. nuts. And then I ran track um, and played tennis because again, and played softball. Wow. <laughs> I really loved all the sports and I loved the social aspect of the sports and I love the intensity of it. And right. so, um, but basketball was my main, main sport. And um, yeah, in high school, so, I mean, Student body president, captain of like the state champion basketball team, okay. president of all the clubs. So um, underachiever, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Valedictorian. Right. I just. Wow. Um, like, homecoming all the queen. gold stars. <laughs> homecoming queen. Uh, what, what kind of more obnoxious list can I say? <laughs> I was an overachiever. And the only reason I'm even saying that is because by the time I went to college, I decided I was in a small Christian fishbowl where everyone knew everything. And I did all the things in all the leadership positions. And then for college, I decided I wanted to go get lost. I didn't want one person to know me. Sure. And I did not want to do one leadership role. So I went wow. to college and literally did nothing. disappeared. Whoa. And I think my sorority had very high expectations for me based on my resume of getting into college. And then I pieced out on them. <laughs> I just needed... Were they like, where's the Ansley that we <laughs> recruited? Yes. I needed four years How did of that complete go? anonymity. I loved it. Could you do the bare minimum and stay in the sorority? How does that work? Yeah. I don't I did know the, that world. I did the bare minimum. I, and, and, you know, a different Ansley would have had a completely different... Ansley now probably would have had a completely different experience. And I, I loved it. I loved all of college. I just... And you went to UF? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was a Gator. And, you know, still did... I mean, went to all the games and, you know, was involved in that way. But, but you didn't have to be responsible. I wasn't responsible and no one needed me. What a weight lifted. It was freedom. Yeah. And all my friends were doing all the leadership things and doing all the things. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get good grades and have a good time. And the truth about that was that period of my life was I, um, one of my motivations was being able to have time to connect with people because all of my prior responsibilities just left every bit of my schedule with zero margin. And so mm. college was to me, now I have language to say about margin. I just needed a right. little margin right, to connect, not have anything on my plate. 
And you were enjoy. dating your then would-be husband. Yes, he went to um, Sanford to play football and then ended up transferring in his junior year. So we got back together and were engaged my junior year or maybe, yeah, and then got married. I graduated in three years because I still was an overachiever deep down wow. inside. Um, I actually thought I was a three on the Enneagram because of all of this I was stuff. Say. Every and but turns out no, not no. so much. But um, I did think that for a long time, just based on my need to achieve. But um, I yeah, then we were married shortly after. Wow. <laughs> Children. Did a lot of things between zero right. and twenty-one. You achieved all the things. All the things. Wow. Where do you That's, go from there? Where do you go from there? <laughs> There's so much more that you have done. I've told since my story then. like this. I've been told yeah. my story like this like a long time, if ever. I this think it's funny. so fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the things that shape us, and then we get to be adults, and then we can choose more into the Absolutely. trajectory of our life and what we what we want to do, and find it at, that is important and. Sometimes people, you know, it's like if they don't have the interest in exploring things or stepping outside, they can stay inside the world that they've known or created or yes. they can. Um, and maybe maybe that world is, is beautiful and perfect and that's the place that they should be. And then sometimes you want to add and incorporate things that weren't in your upbringing and like mm-hmm. how that kind of now in ingratiates into your life and how you can now... Mm-hmm. Live your truth and then also be a part of still your family and community and, and all mm-hmm. the drama that comes with all of that. But as we grow into adults, um, mm-hmm. I would love to kind of hear about, we'll get into, I mean, it can incorporate now, but what you do now. But I'd love to know kind of like as you grew into your adult life and through the career that you've had, like as an adult, what is something that you have like taken a lot of pride in? Like a moment of pride within your adult world hmm. that doesn't have to do with business I mean it can no it can be business life family has there been a seminal moment that you like were like stepping back and you were like man I am really like hmm. for me it would be when I did dinner party like our one-year party I remember oh. like after that one-year party I was thinking I was like in that moment thinking like wow we pulled this off or yeah. wow like people have come to this for a whole year yeah and we had the one-year party, which was a huge undertaking. And I just remember standing back and thinking, I'm wow. really proud of this moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Um, I guess for me, like children and family kind of, I mean, they're my heart mm-hmm. and my soul. And mm-hmm. so that's a kind of a different type of pride just because certainly there's been tons of failings, you know, as a mom and wife and all of that. But, um, but that moment when I, for whatever reason, this is coming to my mind, I was in the, um, in this kind of season where I needed, I was at a crossroads and it was, am I going to continue with my design company mm-hmm. or not? And I had burnt out, I would say, just doing the jewelry thing okay. and kind of needed a change or a break or just was feeling overwhelmed and with my need for variety too, just wanted to explore a new adventure. Well, somebody, a friend who I actually just went to breakfast with yesterday and I never see, but mm-hmm. she invited me to 
go to Madagascar with her. And I, you know, she invited me and I thought, no, but I'm going to smile and say, oh, I'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> Why the heck would I go to Madagascar? Like what? And she's like, well, you know, she, they really needed to be able to teach a group of women over there a trade. They had been tre- teaching them sewing, but it was all getting really dirty and they really just needed a trade that could stay clean and, but still be valuable. And she's like, I really feel like jewelry making would be a really mm-hmm. cool thing. It's like, okay, but again, I'm a, pra- I'm, very, I'm practical and efficient. And I just thought, why would I travel 9,000 miles and like $4,000 to go do this? Like, I mean, I like doing good, but I, you know, I just couldn't see how it made sense. Right. Well, I think the best things in life make zero sense. Mm-hmm. So she ended up showing up at my door one day and just said, randomly, and just said, I need you to really think about this. Will you mm. just put it out there? Should I go on this trip? Right. And just ask, and just in faith, ask. It's like, okay. So a series of kind of crazy things happened where like the exact amount of money and the exact amount of just kind of all happened. You know, it was one of those eerie, like, okay, um, I guess I have to listen to this. So anyway, ended up going to Madagascar, teaching nine women over there over a matter of two weeks, the skill, some jewelry making skills, Mm -hmm. truly fell in love with them, realized what, I didn't go over there with this motivation, but realized I could employ them by Dora May and the mm. ju- my jewelry company. Right. And real- suddenly that jewelry company was infused with this purpose. Grander and purpose. Energy that mm. I hadn't felt. And it was just like this spark of, yeah, beauty and meaning and purpose. And yeah. I um, hired a coordinator who... Um, uh, needed who could actually be like the mom of the team and gather the girls weekly to do their job. Anyway, came back and instead of quitting Dorme, I moved into my first space within mm. a month of returning. Returned July like fifteenth was in Whoa. my space by August first. Yeah, so it was just that moment of. I don't know if pride is the right, but just, I'm going to keep doing, I'm not only going to keep doing this, I'm going to do this with a greater scope and greater purpose right. and greater energy. And, um, it kind of changed, changed that things. That is a beautiful story. Yeah. I, yeah. I love to be able to share things that maybe nobody would ever have known. Yes. That's really, yeah. Big turning point. Big turning point. Yes. That's and, amazing. And then that's when Orlando found out even about Dorby. I mean, we, I had been in business for right. seven years, but had only been selling through boutiques and through through things in my house and pop-ups and stuff. So that's when the store opened. Wow. That is beautiful. Within life, there's also um, seasons or moments that we go through that are also not the highlights of life. Mm -hmm. And um, as we all have learned, what would be, was there ever a time that you've gone through something that was, that was pretty low or, or devastating and kind of like, how did you walk through that and kind of come out of that season mm. or moment and keep on going? Like what, what drives you to keep on keeping on? Well, I don't know if you know this, but sevens don't do devastating. <laughs> <laughs> we do happy, positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we reframe all we, devastating things towards, yeah. I learned a great lesson from, <laughs> let me turn my failure into something beautiful and positive. Right. Um, no, I, I, of course, there was things. Actually, 
a, a season definitely sticks out to me. And it was, I think, um, I think motherhood, I got, I had my first child when I was 24 and was just, I probably was as prepared as I could have been, but I just don't think anyone can prepare you for it. No, fully prepared. And it was definitely difficult, um, definitely a difficult season for me, but I, and mainly I was on bed rest with both my children Mm -hmm. for, um, over two months. So and I'm, I go like my nickname growing up was perpetual motion, or that was one of the nicknames my teachers gave me because I never stopped moving. And I, I had to lay in a bed to like have this child grow, um, for nine weeks. And that was one of the most difficult things just for me personally, Mm -hmm. the couple cherries on top of that difficult season was when my second, when my second child was born, my daughter Haven, I had also a life-threatening blood clot and was told kind of accidentally by the tech when I was on the table in the emergency room that basically good luck to me because this was like a really terrible situation. Right. And um, basically the, the realization that I had to go through labor, with which is a lot of pressure on your body with this type of blood clot. Mm-hmm was a really dangerous situation. So I thought when that ultrasound tech left that I was going to die. And I was pretty sure that I was, you know, or that it was a high possibility that when I birthed this child that she would live, but I wouldn't. And it was just one of these coming off of a bed rest situation, like a low, and then now I've laid here and I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to see the end of this. Sure. And I think when it's just kind of that intense, it was my most traumatic experience up to that time in life. Um, Everything obviously turned out okay. I was able to get through labor and birth a healthy baby and my blood clot um, was able to dissolve and all that. But then shortly after that was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And so I had two young children and was still kind of recovering from, I was getting Coumadin shots every day with two kids in a waiting room, then was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which meant I couldn't leave my house and spent most, a lot of hours, um, in a bathroom each day, which, you know, don't Google it if you don't know what Crohn's or colitis are because the, the symptoms are, are really terrible and it's life altering. And so I, uh, my husband was also having, going through a really hard time, going through lots of jobs. So, um, and we basically, it was just the lowest time of my life. Sure. Just everything piling on right. all at once. Like there's no wins. No wins. Right. No wins. Mm-hmm. And um, except for my children. You know what sure, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I kind of even felt guilty about that because I'm supposed to be mm. so happy and I have these two healthy children, but yet life is really, really hard. Mm. And I had never been sick up to that point. And right. so not being in control of my own health, my own pain, my ability to even leave my home. Um, was just really, I mean, I think devastating is a really great word. I just didn't think that that's how life was supposed to be for me. Sure. And it was a really difficult time. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. 
The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties. So if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area, haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. So how did I get out of it? (laughs) Um, I think one of the things that I do love about my personality is, I mean, I can, you can be in denial and choose to just look at the positive things and forget the negative. But Mm -hmm. I also think the positive side of it is you pick yourself back up and do find the silver lining. Mm. I just finding the silver lining and everything and keeping a positive outlook is something that, um, I don't really think even through all of it that I really lost my joy Mm. for life. So that is Pretty beautiful. It, it, it it's really a special, is. Uh, special it's trait. A gift. Yeah, because not everyone it's a gift. has the capacity for joy in the midst joy of in the pain midst and of heartache the, and yeah. loss. Yeah, that is amazing. Quite a story, um, which is I think is so important to share because it's it is with social media and with Instagram and blah 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 a lot of things that people see are like the highlight reel of people. And you like, of course, you know, in your mind, Oh, not everyone has a highlight. It's not that all the time, but there's not a lot of sharing of like, man, like I'm going through it right now. Mm -hmm. Or like, this is, I wish things were different. And I wish, you know, like it is on us to be able to reach out and to, um, you know, get help when we need it. But there's also times when sometimes it's like, even that feels like, too much really and hard. too low to even like get out and and it's okay to know that like hey we are all you know have struggled or have moments or have low totally. moments or you know I talk, you know like had to sell your car to pay your rent absolutely or, you know what I mean? like it's it is the the flow of life that there will be things that are going to be really heartbreaking right. um, and it's okay to be in that season and to be not okay for a while and then it, it is it is the fight to say, how do I come out of this devastating moment or season? Um, and well, and I think I'm you're, you end up being grateful because then how many people you connect with, like just mm-hmm. say the chronic, just the one chronic disease portion of that story where you have a chronic illness, there's no cure. You just are controlling symptoms. Right. Do you know how many people that I've connected with over the years with that story? And my favorite thing about life is that type of connection and hearing, sharing each other's stories and being there for each other and encouraging like right. that part of who I am is a beautiful thing and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. I also need to say yeah. what also got me out of that is I started counseling and I really cannot, I am just a huge proponent of mental health counseling. Same. And I yep. I didn't think, I kind of grew up with the notion that that's only for people with like real problems, but I'm like, newsflash, <laughs> <laughs> I have real problems. <laughs> 
And like prayer isn't the only thing that's going to fix it. I got to go talk this out and figure it out and look deeper into my story and realize what's really going on and why I'm feeling and going through these things. So I started and, um, that has been a part of my life ever since. So powerful. Yeah. Same. I have the same story. I won't get into it, but, um, (laughs) absolutely counseling is, they're my heroes. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So that brings me to one of my absolute favorite topics. Ooh, goody. Which is the Enneagram. Enneagram. (laughs) Which I know has played a role in. Huge. It's been huge for me. It's also been a very uh, deeply insightful thing for me as well. And if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, it's kind of like a roadmap for personalities and um, helps to kind of um, give uh, context to the way that we're created. Like our DNA, we're just like, we are created in this way. And so how do we navigate that? How do we navigate ourselves? I think that it's been so helpful for me to put words to some of the things that I couldn't understand about myself or my personality. Mm-hmm. And it really also helps me to help give me framework for other people and to Absolutely. like interact with them in the best way possible and the most healthy way and understand their reasonings and their why and their motivations and gosh, all the things. And where yours intersects with them because, yes. or doesn't intersect yes. because you completely miss right. each other. <laughs> Like, are you from another planet? Because you're operating in these different wavelengths Realms, when you're like, completely. you're up here, yes. I'm over here, yes. we have good intentions, but we <laughs> freaking cannot get our shit together to connect with one another. It's, it's so powerful <gasps> to give each other grace in the moments that, that we need it and, and to realize what's motivating somebody is very different than what's motivating you. And we have to be totally very, very aware. So I think the most... One of the most important things that we can do is the awareness that we have of ourselves and how we put ourselves out in the world and how we interpret things and what's ours to own and what's not. And we can mm-hmm. talk about that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I would say that I would have already known and that you have already obviously <laughs> said that you on the Enneagram, um, there's nine different personality types. So you're a one through a nine um, or would be a seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zero wings. Zero wings. Pure sevenness. Pure sevenness. (laughs) Which I've heard, actually, like that a lot of sevens say that. Like, which, I don't understand this wing concept. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the only thing that I identify with. I am. And that's not entirely true. I actually do have a wing eight, and it is, which I know is your number. Yep. The only part of of the eight that I do not have is confrontation. I avoid it at all costs. Okay. But I am willful. I am decisive and really go at, go after things. Mm-hmm. So that that is I I have I see that. I have no six. Right. <laughs> I would have said eight. And sevens want to avoid obviously pain at all right. costs. So totally. confrontation is like, why would I ever step into that? Because totally. that's not fun. Totally. No. So if you're not familiar with a seven, seven is the the enthusiast. Busy, fun-loving, spontaneous, versatile, distractible. What? <laughs> hmm? What's that? <laughs> Roller skating? Yeah, sure. I'm up for that. Um, basically, they're your like, party people and the people that bring just so much joy and fun to life and that you want to be around and that have kind of like the, I don't know, a, a grasp on 
the goodness and fullness and joy of life and have to like rein that in and, and you have to rein in all the other things that you have to be participatory in, but you want to be just free as a bird and you want to have that free spirit like you were talking about. Um, My favorite shirt says free as a bird on it. Right? <laughs> Not surprising. Not, or free hugs. I like free hugs. <laughs> Fair enough. Free hugs would be, I would say mostly free hugs. I don't know if I could do every single person I come That's in contact. That's so funny because Kate, my 15-year-old, was like, so, I mean, like, really practically speaking, what do you mean? <laughs> right. Like, we were walking through the mall. He's like, I mean, if someone, which people would you actually give a free hug to? Right. Like, Kate, I would look in their face, and if it looked like they really needed a free hug, I would give it to them. <laughs> but if they looked creepy, mm-mm. mm-mm. Right. <laughs> and sevens can kind of read people mm-hmm. and, like, have that, like energy intuition and I just would trust that yeah (laughs) how do you think being a seven has how do you see that manifesting in your life oh goodness gracious um well yeah I think one of the great things about the Enneagram is that you it can it tells you all of your strengths and all of your weaknesses so you have a balanced approach to who you are rather Mm -hmm. and I think you know, people can have their heads in the cloud or, or be so down on themselves. And I think this really gives a great, this is a mix of both, you know? And, um, I would say, okay, so I had three words for this year and I am not a person that ever makes words for the year. So this is funny to me. Um, or they would change seven times by the end of the year, or I'd forget that I made the word, but I actually have remembered this year and I picked three. Stay. Okay. Because the way it plays out in my life, I don't stay anywhere long. As far as I don't stay in my mind, I don't stay with a thought, a creative thought, say. Mm-hmm. I have a hundred a day, and it's really hard for me to stay with one. Um, but I want to learn to stay. Also, in pain. Sevens mm-hmm. have a really hard time staying in pain. Mm-hmm. And um there's this beautiful analogy that I love that is basically we're trying to outrun the clouds, but if you just stayed, the cloud would pass. Ah. So I'm learning to stay and let the cloud pass mm-hmm. because the cloud is not going to stay there forever. Clouds never stay. Right. But I can. So that's a beautiful that's, word picture for me. Yep. Um, savor. Is the other word. Mm. Um, I, I like that one. And that's something that I go, I'm moving so fast that I, and I want to do and experience all the things, but I never fully experience all the things mm. because I've already moved on to the next one. So savor is a huge thing. And then the third is actually two words. And I love this because it speaks to my personality so much, but it's everything already. And I can say that in two ways. I can say like everything already, like with this like angst that like, I just want everything already and it's not here and I'm just anxious about it because why don't I have it all? Or I can say everything already and speaking to the truth that everything I have is already mine. Ah. And so I can tell which state I am in just by saying those words to mm-hmm. myself. Am I in a, like, everything already, uh, anxious? Or am I in a peaceful, contented, everything is mine? 
Mm-hmm. So um, those three things, those three words, I think, speak to how seven, my seven. Sure.ness. And the other thing I would say about a seven that I really identify with is this future possibilities. Everything is about this future possibilities and the limit of those possibilities is what brings fear and anxiety. Hmm. Um, but I will say it, it can be like the static noise of future possibility, which is basically just a constant distraction, mm-hmm. or it can be like this symphony of mm-hmm. future possibility. Mm-hmm. If things are all beautifully working together, right. then we are the people who bring the beauty of future possibilities to life. Mm-hmm. And that's can be like our gift to the world, or it can be, we're living in the future so much that we can't actually be, the be now. Right. So, those are some good words. <laughs> um, what would you say that um, kind of like learning about your personality and knowing kind of these parameters, um, how has that enabled you to have like a greater awareness of how you in- interact with the world? Hmm. Um, awareness of how, yeah, I think um, owning your pain and your weakness. The world, being able to relate and connect with people, I think is my favorite thing on the planet. And Mm -hmm. if my head is in the clouds all the time and I am just, I am numbing everything with happy, 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 Mm -hmm. how am I going to relate to any human being? I mean, it's just annoying and obnoxious. And I've seen that. I think that this tool has helped me see, like, Ansley, like, come back to reality. Own your pain. Own your Mm -hmm. weakness. Sit in it. Stay in it. Mm -hmm. If you can sit in your own, you can sit with others and theirs. And I don't know if there's anything I enjoy more in life than sitting with others. Mm -hmm. So, but my weakness and my tendencies would rob that. Of me, so I think right. that awareness and this tool has helped me actually be able to stay, connect, relate in a real, authentic, genuine way. Mm-hmm. That is what brings meaning and purpose to life. Right. So I'd wow. say it's been a game in that way, a game, a game, game changer. changer. Yeah. And I think to appreciating where other people are. So if you not only then can get insight into who you are and what motivates you, but know what motivates and what insights are for other people close to you, Mm -hmm. then being able to appreciate that, not put that down because it's different from you, but learn to celebrate what their perspectives are. Right. Just makes people feel known and seen and loved. Mm. And, um, I think the Enneagram just gives language to that. Right. So language is really helpful and, and being able to help, you know, celebrate those parts of other sure. people. How have you seen that kind of like played out within uh, like your marriage or you're leading a team? <laughs> well, um, what is your husband? My husband's a one. And okay. so what's really crazy about that is I go to one in unhealth, mm, mm-hmm. but he comes to seven in health. <laughs> You're kind of like meeting each other. Kind of. Yeah. It's an interesting little mix there. But I, um, I, again, I think you can start really getting negative whenever 
you know, whenever all your stuff rubs up against each other, which is going to happen the most, you know, with people you love and are the closest to you. Sure. Um, but again, I think learn, okay, for example, order, like he loves order. Well, mm-hmm. I order, well, yes, he's a perfectionist. I, I felt, um, attacked by the fact that he needed order and I felt like he was coming at me with it and that if I wasn't doing it, then I was wrong. Well, no, 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 Like that's the wrong, that's the wrong <laughs> way to frame this. I need to celebrate his love of order and mm-hmm. he can celebrate my chaos. And we were actually talking about the richest life being on the border of order and chaos. And so, because if you're too much order, then it's tyranny. And if it's too much chaos then it's anarchy. And right. so which, if you're living actually on the border, on the edge, then you're never bored with the order, but you're never crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our personalities can actually really balance or hold I, I hate the word balance, hold our truth intention so that we can live on that path yeah. on the border between the two. So that has, just that language right there has helped me be able to celebrate his essence. You know? The way <laughs> that, that he was innately created. Innately created. Instead of saying like, of why me, are you like this? Like, why are you coming at me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> With your order, right? <laughs> you cramp in my stomach. <laughs> and so that's been great. That's so powerful. Yeah, it really is powerful. I think it's helpful with my kids, again, just to appreciate who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I can say beyond a doubt, it has helped our team at work because our team is our family. We, li- we, right. we live in very close quarters and eat with each other all day long, every day. And so knowing who each other are, and we can poke fun. We can laugh at our dysfunctions because we have funny language for it, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just like this passive aggressive, you're annoying me. Right. <laughs> like, like just existing under the surface. We have language. We can say, oh, this is what I'm doing right now. Sure. And everybody in my office is very well versed in Enneagram. So As it's they should be. Very, I mean, on their own, though. I love it. Yeah. Like not by my leaders. I mean, really, it's been the coolest thing. So we bring it up quite often. Yes. And I, I'm able to say, oh, that was such a seventh thing to do. And then they laugh because they get it. <laughs> and I can appropriately say, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking so, of your team and yes. um, what you do, could you give us like a, a, a brief glimpse into your role and at your job yeah. and the business that you created? Yes, I am chief creative officer at Dorme Jewelry and um, that has been one of the most beautiful outlets for this dreamer mind of mine mm-hmm. and I think um, it it has given it all of the dreams and all of the creative ideas a place to go and land and mm-hmm. so I'm really really grateful for it and, and it truly is also an an honoring of a legacy of my grandmother who I didn't speak of in my childhood, but she played a very huge part of Mm -hmm. my childhood. And I spent a lot of time with her. And so she, um, she really impacted who I am Mm -hmm. and, um, her creativity. She brought something out of nothing. That was always her giftedness. Mm -hmm. She was a depression era woman and had very little to work with, nothing to work with. And yet would bring something beautiful through creativity out of it. And so I 
that kind of keeps Dorme going in the sense that um, just that creative, honoring that creative spirit mm-hmm. and how much beauty and joy that adds to life. Sure. Um, is amazing. So did she ever get to see it? She did. She never got to see it fully formed, Okay, but I was creating Yeah, and, um, I did, I recreated with some of her pieces. Right. So she was able to see kind of those remade Mm -hmm. and understand, but she sees it now. Absolutely. So yes, she definitely does. That is beautiful. (laughs) Um, so it's been exciting in the years that I've known you to see Dorme grow yes. into what it's been and from one totally. shop and then growing into another and growing your team. Um, what are like the parts of growth that are easiest for you? And then what would be some hmm. more challenging aspects? Well, um, so one great thing about growth or that does not intimidate me, I guess would be the best use of that is that I never feel like I'll ever run out of creative ideas. And mm-hmm. somebody says, do you ever fear that? Like, does like, what are you going to do next? I'm like, I'm not worried about what I'm going to do next. And I know a right. lot of artists have like angst about, will I feel creative again or what's going to happen today? And my problem is the opposite. And it, it is still a sincere problem, but which direction do I take? Right. Because there's so many swirling around. So, um, that is a positive and a negative, right? Because there's so many options and yet focus is not my forte. So growth this year for us has started to be more focused. And I've been in business now almost 11 years. Right. So we had our 10 year anniversary. And I think when you were talking about your one year anniversary, I was like, my 10 year anniversary party guys, I didn't know if one person would show up. Yeah, like, right. No, but I didn't. No. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, How's that possible? I put, out, I put out this like invitation was like, my mom will come and maybe my dad. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but no, I really didn't know. And then just how many people came and supported. Yeah, and it was bonkers. Encouraged and loved and posted and shared. And we were just... Like, it gives me chills. We were just blown away by that Mm -hmm. Um, love and community support and encouragement. So that was another one of those moments like, wow. (laughs) Um, And I think, think, well, and also I think I looked out into the room and just the relationships I'd built, genuine relationships with the people in the room. Like what Dora May has given me the opportunity to just know and truly know and in a community sense, not just in like community involvement, but like really unique relationships, Mm -hmm. personal relationships with people that I would have never gotten to know. Um, I think the challenge for growth was exactly what we were talking about earlier and that's marketing. Um, the, a big half my business is like a custom business. So Mm -hmm. I take people's heirlooms and custom recreate them for them in their style, hearing their story. Right. So it's a very, very personal process, right? And um, we're not just selling mass-made jewelry. Everything's handmade in our studio. And um, I don't know, growth with that in mind is difficult because there's no mass producing, but also it's personal. So the marketing as I've been advised by all the people who know things is that people want to connect with me. 
because mm-hmm. they want to know if I'm going to send my grandmother's valuable, beautiful brooch that even though it might, it has tons of almost irreplaceable sentimental value, right? but maybe it's no use practical value. It's sitting in my drawer, but I still am not going to send it to some like company that I just saw had a cute ad on Instagram. You know, right. I want to know who's touching it, who's mm-hmm. seeing it, who's designing it, who's recreating it. So I'm part of the marketing plan and that has been really hard. Hmm. And kind of like you talking about mm-hmm. on your first podcast, not liking hearing your voice. I don't mm-hmm. like hearing my voice on my Instagram stories. I don't like seeing my face like all over my website or whatever. You know, it's so easy for us to like pick ourselves apart and just learning how to move through that and get over that has been a challenge. And so we're, we have a plan for even growing more this year. And they're like, so you need to be on more page, literally our website designers. Like, so you need to be on more pages on your website. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Isn't this enough already? <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, I, and obviously there's places for not me to be on there, but it is, since it is such a personal business, it's imp- important. Mm-hmm. It's an important part that I'm, personally involved right and um so it's pretty brave yeah Yeah. creativity takes bravery it does a lot of bravery all that Brene Brown stuff (laughs) as the lemon falls on my face (laughs) keeping it classy (laughs) we laugh at ourselves we laugh at ourselves (laughs) that's mostly the only thing that you can do um, and with all of that, with running a, um, running a business and, and leading a team and doing all of the things, um, with all of that is, is, is a lot on your shoulders. So my final, uh, topic, which is my absolute favorite is rest, mm-hmm. which is something I don't think people talk about enough or do enough. Um, and the incredible power that it brings into your life of being able to, um, you know, recenter and check in with yourself and renew, restore, play, discover, um, not, not exactly resting specifically in a sense of like being sedentary or just like sitting, but resting your, your heart and resting your brain and resting Mm -hmm. your body. But, um, it's something that is is my ultimate favorite. But for you, um, what are some practices that you have adopted to kind of rest um, in a sense of stopping work and, and renewing yourself? Um, so this is, I know it's very counterintuitive for so many people, but for a seven type, we're in our heads all the time, which is exhausting and our minds don't get rest. Well, the cure for my mind is exercise. Hmm. So people tend to think a lot of times like, I mean, you exercise, how are you so disciplined to exercise five days a week? I'm like, Oh right. no, 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 no. <laughs> this is not about discipline. This is about sanity. Right. And I, I am there for my mind. Cause when I'm exercising, um, my mind slows down. It doesn't stop, but it slows down. And, it is, and they say that that is one of the paths towards healing for sevens is they, mm-hmm. they call it conscious embodiment. And it's, it's, it's actually just being able to move all of that energy that is swirling, swirling, swirling in your mind into your body so that your mind can take a break. Sure. So I do CrossFit, which 
um, has been a very intense outlet for, maybe that speaks to the intensity of my brain, but also this year I picked up on yoga Mm. and that has been the beautiful, talk about things, holding things in tension. Like Mm -hmm. I having the intense, like sweat it out, gut it out in the morning and then a flow it out in the evening Mm. and a true meditation. Meditative. Is that the word? Is that a word? Sure. Meditative. <laughs> Meditative. Yes. Yeah. Um, bodily experience has been a beautiful addition to my life. Sure. So before I was five and six days CrossFit, but now I've balanced it out to like three mm. and three or something like that. And yeah. I've found that that is rest for me. Mm-hmm. And I know that is not rest for everybody, but that is rest for <laughs> me. But that's rest for my mind. I also yes. have to have rest for my body. Um, I'm up to seven minutes in meditation. Okay. <laughs> and that has been a really huge practice for me. Um, it's a, I have usually like a three or four minute brain dump at the beginning just so that I could actually mm-hmm. have seven minutes of meditation. But sure. so I'm learning what works for me. Um, but the truth be told is that I need help with rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, that's one of those things that I've more recognized the need than have been able to put it into practice. Mm-hmm. So perhaps someone could come along <laughs> and help. It's, it is one of those things that I, I find it, it's a humbling thing for me. Absolutely. Because I think I should be able to do rest and Mm-mm. alas, Mm-mm. I cannot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will conquer rest. Yes, I will <laughs> freaking figure this out. I will um, student body president this <laughs> shit out of rest. Well, and for all you sevens out there, I don't know if you've heard this before, and it's on one of these podcasts I listen to, but it stuck with me forever. But most people, they say, settle for less. Seven, settle for more. And I think that a, the idea of settling for more is the one of the more powerful concepts that has led me into rest. Hmm. I realize it is a settling. It is a true settling if you are just trying to fill the empty void with more and more and more. Mm-hmm. That's a settling kind of life. Right. And I'm not willing to settle. And so um, rest will help me, I know, Maybe that's the next decade. I turn 40 next month. (laughs) So maybe my 40s will be, if I could learn rest in my 40s, I would, I would be very, very happy. Okay. So. If you need any. If you need any. (laughs) Want to be my rest guru? Uh, Can you just do rest for me? Yeah. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. Uh, I will not do rest for you, but I will. Kidding, kidding. I will hold Help your hold your hand into, into um, deal to some good practices of rest. But if, right now, in your mind, in your head, like if you had, like let's say, you had carte blanche and like you could have this like total twenty four hours of rest, whether that's play, discovery, sleeping, napping. Um, what what to you like in insights? joy and rest and renewal like if you had one day could be here could be paris could be anywhere like what Ooh. what would be like your dream you just said paris. i did <laughs> you said the magic word shared joy <laughs> oh my god of the most magical city <laughs> um that's a great question um i think nature really does it for me because it makes me feel so small and mm-hmm. i think with a busy mind it allows us to feel 
unfortunately and falsely large um, when our minds are going so big mm-hmm. and then nature just brings me back into perspective of like my place in the universe and that's beautiful and allows me to breathe and takes all the responsibility and the pressure off of my shoulders. So I would say that that definitely plays a role, but I equally love the mountains and the ocean. Mm-hmm. So, um, all, all of it, okay. <laughs> all of the nature, all of natures. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, what's crazy for me that is very restful is actually writing. And mm. that was actually my major in college, um, journalism because, and i I find that it, um, takes all my swirling thoughts and articulates them in a very peaceful and in a way that brings me peace. Mm -hmm. And so I've taken about three or five (laughs) years off of my writing and journaling practice because I haven't made time for it Mm -hmm. um, as life has gotten crazier. But I know that if I could sit and write in nature, Mm -hmm. those, that combination would be uniquely and utterly restful for me that sounds pretty beautiful mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> sounds like you might have to schedule that in sometime <laughs> it sounds like you just wrote out your your prescription for rest i did mm-hmm. look at you Tina. <laughs> it's like another therapy free therapy session <laughs> oh i am so into people resting because that allows them to step back and really check in with where they are and then step back and hopefully heal and, and, and connect. And then, you know, like we want to offer our best selves, right? And our best selves we always know is rested, but, um, as sevens, I think it's probably out of all of the numbers, the the hardest, hardest to to mm. um, say instead of the next party I could go to or the next thing or drinks with girlfriends instead I'm gonna choose to like really carve time out of my schedule to you know if, you know being alone is 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 what you need or being with family you know like or friends you know, like it 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 looks different for everybody so whatever it is um, making it a priority which is hard you know especially as you're leading a team or you're having a family that you obviously have to, um, be aware of and take care of, but the mm-hmm. beauty that that bleeds into the rest of, um, those areas is, you know, so impactful for, mm-hmm. for making them the best that they can be and we can be and the best that we can offer to the world that is really broken and we're broken. Oh, totally. Help us tap into that brokenness, which like we said before, is like where we connect with humanity. Yeah, our pain. And that's what life's all about. Right, absolutely. Um, so as we are wrapping up, I was wondering if there was a, a piece of life advice or mantra that you could share with us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what would that be? Um, well... I, I think the theme of my life work is, has been this rhythm of restoring life back to things that have died, Mm -hmm. um, which is in and of itself a creative process. And I, I feel so grateful that I actually get to do that 
in the midst of something meaningful for people. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not so much a mantra because I actually have written down mantras, but I forget them as, as quickly as I write them down. Um, but I, that, that is, I think a theme, just a, an undercurrent of the joyful process of breathing new life into things that have died. Now, the part of that that's tricky for me is that things sometimes need to die. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to let that process happen mm -hmm. because that involves pain. It involves sadness, regret, you know, all of the things. But um, I think I'm in a process right now as I'm speaking um, that probably I don't have words to fully articulate what I'm going through, but it is a sort of a death of just an old way, an old pattern, an mm -hmm. old, whether that's how my faith looks, whether that's how my marriage looks, whether that's how my, you know, how I relate to, how me relating to other people look. And I'm allowing this death and pain and sadness and mm -hmm. heartache and all of it happen because I know that new life will come from it. Mm. And, um, that's just in my spirit, why I know, or my part of this human experiment <laughs> is that, um, ushering both myself first, because you cannot usher others into what you have not first experienced, but, mm -hmm. and staying in that rhythm myself so that I can continue in my, to, you know, offer in that in relationships, but just staying in that death into new life. And to me, that is a deep pattern, not just in my life, but a deep pattern and rhythm of the whole world. Yeah. So I kind of think I hope just to participate in that. Sure. Um, whether that's my own spiritual, personal, relational life, or wh whether it's with something as silly as a antique brooch that has sentimental family meaning and restoring life with a, you know, in joyful process with others is, um, just about as meaningful work as I could imagine. So sometimes these deeper concepts need to play out in these very simple human practical ways mm -hmm. for us to even understand them. Mm -hmm. And so I think I, this, little tiny jewelry company Dora May has given <laughs> this very small practical hands-on kind of expression of of that deeper life mm. speaking of Dora May where yeah. would we find you where would oh, could we find you on I'm in Ivanhoe Village yes. so um we are in the A&T Antiques little plaza we're on the mm -hmm. end cap we have a very cute statue named whimsy that we dress up that's out front so you might have seen her in like you know a hula outfit for summer or you know a red heart bra for valentine's day um so in the or near white wolf a lot of people know um that is a landmark so yeah we are open six days a week so mm -hmm. how would we find you on social oh dora may jewelry it's d-o-r-a-m-a-e jewelry although most people don't know how to spell jewelry <laughs> 
Fair enough. It's a hard Fair word enough. for people. J-E-W-E-L-R-Y? Yes. Okay. Sometimes I want to put an E yes. after the R. Everybody wants E-Y. to do that. Okay, yes. And I think some people overseas do that. But anyway, Dora made jewelry, and hopefully you'll find that a joyful yeah. um, experience. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> and inspiring. Actually, As that's I our have. goal on social media is to inspire. Can I share one last funny yes, story that literally me. just popped into my head? Okay. Yes. okay. So a couple of years ago, I get a call from your shop uh-huh. that's like, hey, Dana, just want to let you know that your earrings are ready. <laughs> so I was like, my earrings are ready. Oh, no, oh, no. oh my gosh. Um, okay. They were like, oh, no, I think they were texting me and they were like, hey, do you want, can you come by and pick them up? And I was like, um, yeah, sure. I was like, I can swing by after work. I was like, today or tomorrow, something like that. And so I swung by your shop and you weren't there, but I was like, hey, it's Dana. I was like, Ansley said there was some, like, earrings here for me. <laughs> I didn't know. I couldn't uh, comprehend it. I didn't exactly know what the context of this was. I thought maybe you just, like, thought of me and thought, I'm going to just surprise her with some earrings. And then, so I show up at your shop, and and um, and I'm like, here I am. And Or no, maybe you were there, and you were like, what earrings are, what, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. I think I was there. You were I there. I think I was yes. kind of like horrified, like what's happening. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, you, you told me to come by because like you had some earrings for me and you're like, um, well, Cusswords. 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 <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure. And like, you're like, let me go check. And so they were a pair of earrings for another Dana. <laughs> Awesome story. So one, I got to see you, and two, you were generous enough to make me another pair of earrings, um, just because of your generosity that I still have and I still wear. And so I got a pair of earrings in the end, which was a win for everybody. Um, But those are the story of Dana. I love that story. Dana and the earrings. It's like I have earrings ready for Dora May. Like this someone so just exciting. made my day. Oh my gosh! Like, like thinking nope, of me. Nope. 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 <laughs> Wrong no. data. And then just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> and I left Here's with no earrings. <laughs> so so the, moral of the story is you hope we call you. <laughs> call me. Call me anytime. I mean, I'll swing by. I'll come get some earrings. All right. Anytime. anytime. Oh, Dana, but this is so fun. You might see me around town. I, I have uh, a couple pairs of earrings and a custom necklace that I had mm-hmm. made, which was very beautiful. Wear it around town. So I just appreciate you and the joy that you bring to the community and life and just your laugh and your smile. And we need all these different oh, personality types to have all a thriving us. community, right? And so yes. you bring you bring that joy and that fun spirit. Mm, so keep you. doing what you're doing. Thank, thank you for thank drinking you. with me. Oh, that was so good. And um, yes. <laughs> Until next time, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, it is all my pleasure. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation Podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversations? 